0: You bring your instruments out in the car? Okay. (laughs) Almost. Um, I want to remind you that next Sunday, Degree 180 is having a uh, silent. Yeah. (laughs) She's having a silent auction. And... uh, (laughs) And all the proceeds will go to, uh, to help fund the mission trip to um, the Dominican Republic. Beginning tomorrow, I believe, you can go on the website, springhousesmyrna.com, and see what items are, uh, are going to be available at the, at the auction. And I bet it'll make you go, whoo! Uh, when you, yeah, well, you see it, but when you come here, you have to shh, uh, as, you, as you place your bids. <laughs> Does anybody know what happens in two weeks? Somebody control him. I, it, it. It's Easter. Yeah. And next week is, uh Palm Sunday. And we'll be uh, talking about an event from Palm Sunday that isn't usually talked about too much, but happens then. And about a week before that, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So we're kind of on track here. Uh, we're going to be reading... Together from John chapter 11, this is a rather long portion of scripture. Uh, In fact, we're going to start at verse 1 and go to verse 44. However, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the passage, yes, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of editing. Not because what I've edited isn't important. It's very important. But because people tend to glaze over after they have read in unison for a while... And the portions that I'm going to be talking about are going to be amply covered. So would you stand with me? And let's read together. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. The sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. "'Where have you laid him?' he asked. "'Come and see, Lord,' they replied. "'Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. "'It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. "'Take away the stone,' he said. "'But Lord,' said Martha, the sister of the dead man, "'by this time there is a bad odor, "'for he has been in there four days.' Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your spirit And I pray, Lord God, that right now there would be a conjunction of your Word and your Spirit in our lives. May we be alive to your Word. May your your Word become life to us. May it change us this day, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to cover four points today. I said this is a lengthy passage of Scripture, and it is, and uh, those of you who were here remember that a few weeks ago, Barbie actually pro- uh, preached from this passage of Scripture, but she hit the parts that I left out. Uh, they, but they, it, was, it was powerful, it was, it was good, it was strong. Uh, what I want to do today is I want to cover four points. Three of them are concerning, well, really all four of them concern miracles in general. Only one of them really concerns this miracle specifically. But uh, here we go. Point one, Lazarus was sick. That's where it starts. No Lazarus sick, no miracle in John chapter 11. The one man that I know who, uh, that I've met personally, that I know has been involved in the most, uh, what we would call miracles, there's a man named Kenneth Ware, and some of you have heard me talk about Kenneth Ware. If you've been here any length of time, uh, well, if you've been here for a few years, you've certainly heard me mention him. And I know that a lot of these things, in fact, did happen to Kenneth Ware because Kenneth Ware rarely ever preached about him. I mean, you'd have to talk to him to get him to, to begin to open up about it. Other preachers preached about him, and it's, uh, it's kind of like I've mentioned about the, the guitar players in Nashville. If they have to tell you how good they are, they're not. And if somebody has to tell you all the great stuff that they've done and it's happened to them, eh? They might they might be taking it a little bit a little bit further. Kenneth Ware wasn't that that kind of guy. And I, I want to just share two instances uh from his life, from things that happened in his life. Kenneth Ware was a missionary. He was from the states here. In fact, I believe he was from Memphis, and he uh, went as a young man over to France and felt a calling there to the gypsies, and he spent. Uh, much, of his, much of his ministry, in fact, the rest of his life he spent in France, but most of it was focused on the, on the gypsy population, the Roma in, uh, in France. Uh, and he was there during the middle of the last century. He was there, and in 1943, um, uh, he, uh, well, no, actually, he, it wasn't in 1943 when he got married. He got married back in the 30s. He had married a French Jew. And in 1943, uh, he was captured. He and his wife actually had been hiding in the woods, uh, and they were betrayed by some people. He was captured. Uh, she managed to escape and make her way to Switzerland. He ended up in a, in a prison in, in Belgrade, uh, Yugoslavia. It wasn't Yugoslavia at the time, but it is now, in Belgrade. And during his time in prison, it was pretty rough. They, they would beat him fairly frequently. And on one particular occasion... The, the guard who took him to, to be beaten uh, grabbed hold of him and, and grabbing hold of his coat, he realized that there was something sewed into the lining of his coat. Turned out that it was a, it was a New Testament that he had been hiding so that he would be able to read it. <clears throat> and the guard said to him, are you, a, are you a pastor? Are you a minister of the gospel? And he said, yes, I am. And he said, well, you're going to be shot tomorrow. Uh, and so he gave the new Testament back to him kind of amazingly enough. And then on the way back to taking him back to where his holding cell was, uh, he opened one of the doors to the outside and said, go. And he said, but you know, if, if you, if you let me do this, they'll shoot you instead of me. He said, go now, you know, was that an angel? I don't know if that was an angel, but it was a miracle. Another incident that happened in, uh, in his life, once he, once he escaped from the prison there in Belgrade, he made his way to Switzerland, and uh, he and his wife re- were reunited, and they got a small apartment at the end of, a, of an alleyway. And, and one day his, his wife came up to him and said, uh, I need some money, I'm going to the grocery. And he said, there isn't any money. She said, Okay. And then he heard her a few minutes later praying and she was reading her grocery list to Jesus and telling him, you know, I need five pounds of potatoes. I need some veal for Saturday. I need, you know, I mean, if you're going to ask, you know, don't ask for hot dogs, people. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Bring it. And shortly thereafter, there was a knock at the door. And uh, there was a delivery man standing there. He says, I have your, your groceries. And he said, <clears throat> there must be some mistake. We, we haven't ordered any groceries. He said, well, uh, no, you're the, this is the where residence, right? Yes, well, these are your groceries. And, of course, everything that she had asked for was in the basket. But beyond that, there was the the way their house was situated, the way their apartment was situated. There was the blind alley. There was their door. And then there was this one window in their front room. And he immediately went to the front window. And, you know, no. Nobody. Nobody passes in front of it. Nobody's there. You know, was that an angel? It wasn't a Nazi prison guard. It was was something that that kind of went away. Now here's, here's the situation. Lazarus was sick. Kenneth Ware was in prison. Kenneth Ware and his wife had no money and no food. First thing you need to know about Miracles, or at least what we're talking about when we say miracles, is that in order to have a miracle, you need, you have to need to have a miracle. You have to be in a situation where, where something's going on. When we say we want to see a miracle, when we say, man, I'd love to see God do a miracle, or if God would just do a miracle, what we mean is we would like Him to entertain us. No, that's good too, yeah. that that, that's what we mean we don't mean I want to be dying and have no other resource but God to come and help me you know what we don't mean you know I would like to lose my job and for the next year God send the ravens with food every morning you know that's not what we mean what we mean is do something to to amaze us to amaze me Truth of the matter is, God doesn't do things to amaze us unless, doesn't do miracles to amaze us unless you count sunrise, unless you count your heartbeat, unless you count bumblebees, you know, which really can't fly, but they do, unless you count hummingbirds. I mean, he does all of these things that, I mean, if you want entertainment, just go walk in the woods there, it's out there. And he did it. He put it there. When I walk Peanut down to the end of the street in the mornings, there's this, there's this big pool of water down there. I go, Peanut, look at that. God made that. He made us too. And Peanut doesn't care. <laughs> he, just, he just keeps on about his little business. But, you know, I mean, it's out there. But, when, but when we're, what we're talking about this when we say miracle, Lazarus was sick. And if you're going to get one of these, you got to need one of these. In order to get it. And the second thing is this Jesus wasn't there. God is everywhere. He's He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But there are times when it seems like He isn't where we are. You ever experienced one of those occasions? You ever experience them multiple times? And it may be for a few minutes, it may be for a few days, it may be for a few weeks. I mean, there, there may be extended seasons in our life where it just doesn't seem like, it seems like God has lost track of us. God has lost our, our address. But that's not the case. Jonah, if ever there was anybody that deserved to have God lose track of him is Jonah, right? Cause Jonah, God said, go here. And Jonah went there. You ever done that? <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like if God, you know, if you, if I say, I'll meet you at, uh, at, at the corner of, of, Lowry and front street, do those meet <laughs> front street's kind of a funky thing. I don't know. I'll meet you at the corner of uh, rock Springs and old Nashville highway You know, if I, if I say that, you know, and you go to fourth and Charlotte, you're not going to see me because this is where we agreed to meet. And so God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh gets in the boat. You know about it. And he, and he, and he heads off for Tarshish, heads off for Spain and, and the flood comes or the the storm comes and it's rocking the boat and everything. and once again, you, you know the story, uh, Jonah finally says, well, it's me, I'm running from God, throw me in the water, everything will be okay. And so, you know, the, ne- the next thing is God's either forgotten me or God is so mad at me that he's created a storm and, and stuff like that. I, I wish he'd forget me. And so they throw Jonah into the water and we know Jonah gets swallowed by, a, by great fish. And I've read this and read this and read this and read this, but it just hit me this week. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. God didn't lose track of him. God knew he, God was lasered in. He knew exactly where He was. I mean, of all, the Mediterranean is a big place, folks. And one little person in that water I mean, God had, had this thing GPS'd. He had it pinpointed right there. Fish right there. This is when you're going to need to be there as well. And fish are a whole lot better at obeying God than we are. Did it in the Old Testament. They did it in the New Testament. When Jesus hung on the cross. And by the way, I I like this picture. I like it for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons... It's because we don't really know what Jesus looked like, okay? So that's out of the way. Another reason that I like it is that could be anybody, but it kind of looks like me. And hopefully, when you look at it, it kind of looks like you as well, because that's where I belonged, it's my place that he took there. So I like this picture. A lot of you probably can imagine what verse this is attached to, this particular picture. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's a myth that's kind of floated around the Christian church for years, decades, maybe centuries for all I know. And that myth is that the father turned away from Jesus and could not look at him. And I say it's a myth because the Bible doesn't tell us God turned away from him, couldn't look at him. In fact, I seriously doubt that You know, the God of all creation, the one who made everything that there is, the one who knows everything that's going on in the world, went, ooh, that's just too bad, I can't look at it. Come on. Seriously. I mean, I wouldn't want to see my son hurt, but if my son's hurt, I'm going to look at him. Jesus felt like he wasn't there. We feel like he's not there at times. But the truth of the matter is, this was important. And those times when you feel like God isn't there, those times when you feel like, he's forgotten me, where could he possibly be? Probably, if, you, if you're feeling that, that probably means that you're at one of the most crucial points in your life. Something real important is getting ready to happen. I mean, when Jonah went overboard in that boat, that was, one of the, that was, that was a turning point, wouldn't you say? God was there. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was the most important thing going on in the whole universe. Of course God was there, was looking at it. This last Friday, uh, this last Friday night, we had the girls at our house. We had uh, our granddaughters. All of, for those of you who don't know, all of them are preschool and under. Uh, the three sisters. And, uh, and they're a handful. And... Uh, And we also at the, at the church here had the, uh, the, the gallery opening for the, uh, for Brianna and for the, for the girls who had, not my granddaughters, but, but for the gals who were doing their senior project from Watkins. And so here was the deal. The deal was that I was gonna, uh, start watching Tangled with, with the two older girls while Margaret put Maggie, uh, to bed and then Maggie would come in the, and not Maggie, Maggie came out plenty of times, but then <laughs> then Margaret would come out and then uh, watch the rest of it with the girls. And I'd, I'd come to the, uh, I'd come to the, uh, to the gallery. Um, uh, but something happened. Uh, you see, uh, Lucy, who's the middle one, never talks to me. And she talks to blue string. She doesn't talk to me. In fact, we, we, I met them at Jason's Deli for, for dinner and, and Lucy rode back with me and, and Margaret said, oh, she's going to sing to you all the way. Uh-uh. You know, I don't know how many times I said, well, you want to sing?
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Let's listen to NPR. <laughs> you know, let's, yeah, we'll, we'll get it on. And uh, and I didn't end up coming to the gallery show because, and tangles cute. I mean, you know, it was all right, I, but I didn't get tangled in it. You know, I was just, I was just, but what I did get tangled in was I was sitting beside Lucy and she started talking to me. She started telling me everything that was going on. She started going, I don't want to see this, and holding on to me. And she was going, oh, don't worry. It's going to be okay. They're not going to get in her tower. I'll I'll take care of you. It's okay. And I'm kind of going, yeah. I'm not going anywhere for this. You know, this is the most important thing I have to do right now. And so don't tell me that when his son was hanging on the cross, God went, well, see you later. I'll be back in a minute. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, he was there. He was there. And he's in, and, and when you're at a place in your life, and, and, and even the scripture, I, I think, proves it because the last thing that Jesus said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He wasn't talking to somebody who wasn't there, he was talking to somebody who knew, but he had that moment where he felt like he wasn't there, just like we do. But when we come to those places in our life, you're at, a, you're at a crucial point. You're at a point where God is probably more focused on you than he's, than he's been all the time that you had a, a great worship service or all the time that you, you know, got your tax return in the mail, you know, all, all the time that you felt good. This was a time that he was, that he was lasered in, focused in. <sighs> Jesus loved Lazarus, but he didn't get up and go to him. It wasn't because he didn't care. It wasn't because he wasn't paying any attention. because he knew what was going on, where this was going. And then the third thing is, Jesus only did what the Father gives him to do. And uh, we mentioned this, I mentioned this last week, but it is so consistent. It is so true throughout the Bible. Our perspective of time is relative. It has to do with whether we're having fun or not. It has to do with uh, how old we are. Uh, when you get right down to it, if you've got, if you've got a, 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 a child, small child especially, or a grandchild especially, that to that child, Christmas is a long way off. And to some of you, you know, some of you 20, 30-somethings, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, Christmas, that's, that's what... It is right around the corner, folks. This is already April. (laughs) I'm just telling you. You know, and it makes sense because when you're 10 years old, a year is a tenth of your life. When you're 60 years old, it's a 60th of your life. Not quite as long. And if you were to be a person who lived in eternity, your perspective of what's long and what's short not only would be affected, but you probably also wouldn't bother to tense any verbs. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Was, is, will be? Huh? This is eternity. Over in John chapter 5, Jesus had said to the Jews, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Notice the prayer that Jesus prayed. Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. I'm saying this so that everybody else here will know that you hear me. Did you hear anything in there about, will you raise Lazarus from the dead? Will you please heal Lazarus? You know. No. That was simply, Lazarus, come forth. You know, this particular passage that Jesus has here is could be taken a lot of ways. It can be taken metaphorically, and I think that would be okay because everyone who has not responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ is dead in their sins. And when we hear his gospel and we accept it, we cross over from death into life. And so that I, I have no problem with taking it metaphorically, but Jesus Jesus is saying, a time is coming and has now come." And I think he had some literalness in mind as well. And the literalness was going to happen over in chapter 11. But he goes even a little further with it. In John 5, 28 and 29, Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. He's not talking about salvation by works here. He's talking about good and evil. And there is none good. No one no not one. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Say, so, well, what is he talking about? <laughs> well, the good thing is to believe in the one that God has sent. That's the good thing. When after, after Jesus fed the 5,000 and they came to him the next day, they said, what must we do to do the works that God requires? He said, the work that God requires is this. Believe in the one that he has sent. The Time is coming when that same voice that said, Lazarus, come forth, is just going to leave the Lazarus off and say, come forth. And all who are in their graves will hear it. Do you believe that Point four <laughs> not all believed. Go figure. We have great confidence or we we think that there are there there are two things that can be used that are used to bring people to Christ. We have a tendency to think. And one of those things would be, uh, that, that we think would bring people to Christ, would be miracles. I and mean, after all, people see miracles, they get saved, right? Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I'll explain the difference in a, in a, mo- in a moment here. But Moses... Moses did miracles. Moses did miracles at the wazoo in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't believe anything. In fact, his own people, the ones that he led out of, out of bondage in Egypt, a lot of them didn't believe either. They get in a situation and go, can God fix this? Can God do that? You know, we're, we're hungry. We're thirsty. Uh, yeah, we saw, the, we saw the plagues fall on Egypt. We, we saw the Red Sea open. Uh, we've, we've seen the manna, we see the quail, we see the water from the rock. Uh, God can't take us into this promised land and, and do that. You know, come on, people. It's because miracles don't do not do it in and of themselves. They really don't. I mean, these people, the, 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 the people that were here, probably the most amazing thing that we read was, therefore, many of the Jews who came to visit Mary... And had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. Uh, What's wrong? What about all? You know, some of them saw Lazarus come forth and believed. Some of them saw Lazarus come forth, and it says that, but others, uh, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They weren't going to the Pharisees to try and get the Pharisees saved. They weren't going to testify, he's really the Messiah. No, they were going to say, you know what that that guy did this time? He talked some guy into pretending like he was dead and spending four days in a tomb and and, and get all wrapped up and and then had him come out. What's he going to do next? Seriously. Miracles don't convince where there's no faith. If you don't have faith, you're never going to see a miracle. Actually, you're going to see plenty of them. You just won't know what you're seeing. If you have faith, you see them all the time. The other thing that we think of that's going to convince people is is logic. If we can just convince them logically that God is real. If we can just logically convince them that that Jesus is died on on the cross and that he rose from the dead I guess I, I've uh I've been I'm not a I'm not a geek okay but I but I have owned a computer for a long time since Commodore 64 days and <laughs> you know and, and dial up I remember uh uh CompuServe and and, and all that business and you know uh Uh, And so I've been messing around with that kind of stuff for a long time. And there was a a period, there was a period, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago where um, uh, people started sending me stuff that that folks had written on the internet, you know, what about this and question this and blah, blah, blah. And I spent a couple of weeks, you know, reading that stuff and
1: "Ah!"
0: people will say anything and they always think they're smart. Everybody thinks they're logical. Every, even idiots think they're logical. They really do. truth of the matter is, logic won't get you anywhere. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there is no system of thought that can explain life, death, the beginning, the end... What happens, everything in between, what's going on in the world? There is no system of thought that can explain it anywhere close to being as con- cogent as Christianity and the gospel. But you know what? That doesn't mean that everybody gets it. Because it's not about how smart you are. It's not about, you know, whether or not you can what you can create out of Legos, you know, or anything like that. It's about faith. It simply comes down to faith. You have to come to a place in life where ultimately you just go, you know what, that's what I believe, I'm going there. And I'm going to stay on that path. And I'm going to stay on that track. And the testimony of the millions who have gone before is this is the right way. The testimony of God's Word is this is the right door. This is, this is the correct way to go. You know, I, 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 there are a lot of questions I can't answer. There are a lot of things out there that I cannot explain. That only makes sense. I, I've, got, I've been told that I've got, what, three trillion cells in my body or something. What, is, what does that mean? What is, I can't see a cell and I can't count to three trillion. So the fact that there are things out there in, in the world and there are questions that can be brought up that I can't answer, that's no big deal. This one thing I know. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Crucified, buried, resurrected on the third day. All who put their faith in him have eternal life. And everything else flows out from that. Everything in my life, when, when, I'm, when I've got it together and I'm doing good, is flowing out of that. Now, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't ever draw from any other sources, but it all gets messed up when I do. When I draw from that source, Life flows. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to pray for people, come forward, our elders and their wives. And if you need prayer, would you come forward today? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you may go, well, you hadn't convinced me. Right, I'm not going to convince you. What makes the difference is the Holy Spirit. You didn't get up this morning and go, well, I think I'll go to church. or you didn't, You're not here because your mama made you come. You're here because the Holy Spirit had an appointment with you today. And he brought you here. And so if there's something inside of you going, you know what, this, feels, this really feels different. I'm kind of afraid of this. but That's him. That's him. Don't try to swim to shore. Jump in the fish's mouth. You know, it's just, he provided it. You, come. Most of you know Christ, but you may have other, you may have other needs. You may have other things going on in your life. Bring them. Bring them. God's here to bind up the brokenhearted, to sit at liberty, those who are captive, to recovery of sight to the blind. Lame legs can leap. If you have something, you Come. Right? and if you don't you worship we're going to worship because we want to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can can do something an atmosphere of faith where you can do something that's what
1: light of the world you step down into darkness oh
0: of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ one who said he would never leave you or forsake you may his abiding presence be very real and tangible in your life in this coming week may you know the joy of those who walk with him and the fullness of those who are provided by his provision in Jesus name